Hey, this is your host, Paul Edsbitter Jr., and I'm here to remind you that if you have access to iTunes, we ask that you rate and review the show. That way we'll be able to climb the charts and continue to deliver bigger and better guests so that we can continue the educated hustle journey. And now, let's start the show. Welcome to the Educated Hustle Podcast. It's your host, Paul Lasseter Jr. and my co-host, Emilio Porter. Emilio, what's going on, man? Going good, man. Going good. You know, we had a little brief hiatus last week, but we back right in action with that Educated Hustle heat. And boy, this episode's a doozy because we do got a guest for you. Yes, sir. But before we get to our guests, I uh, just wanted to roll out a couple of topics before we get into our main event. Um, you know, we definitely got to talk about the Bitcoin frenzy and what's really going on with Bitcoin. Now, I'm not an expert myself, but I'm just going to kind of educate a little bit, you know, uh, on some basic knowledge of what you need to know about Bitcoin. Um, But basically, you know, people have been reading that Bitcoin has hit record high as far as trading for uh, $16,000 for one Bitcoin. So um, what does that mean? Basically, Bitcoin is its, its own currency, and it's like a peer-to-peer trading network, almost like PayPal, but without a centralized market. So basically kind of think of your like Napster and your Kazaa back in the day where you can kind of trade music with each other. Well, now it's kind of like money uh, for Bitcoin. You can kind of trade, you know, coins with other users of, of Bitcoin. So it's basically, you know, a bank without regulations. So a lot of people uh, are investing in Bitcoin because uh, they feel that, you know, it has a high future as far as uh, being its own currency because of how it could reach so many people internationally. But, uh, you know, there are it's very volatile and it's very new and uh, the government doesn't know how to regulate it yet. So it's a it's a weary investment for people to make. If people are kind of jumping on it now because it's kind of at its highest point. And as an investor, you don't want to jump in when the market is already peaking. Uh, people that got in at the beginning of 2017 got Bitcoin at about $1,000 uh, per Bitcoin. So, you know, the people who got in early are the ones who are really benefiting. So if you're trying to jump in on Bitcoin now, uh, it'll be a lot more risky than when you did it before. So I don't know how much you know about Bitcoin, Emilio, but I know you've been reading a, a lot of the headlines going on. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they come up on my Twitter occasionally. Uh, I always feel unaffected by it because I never had any interest in it. You know, I've always been the person to where that the, that um, variable volatility you're talking about really always stuck in my mind because since it's such a it's not really backed by anything tangible, there's always a chance that, you know, you're a you got a hundred thousand dollars of Bitcoin. The next day, it all comes to mean nothing. So it's always just been an interesting market. I always see people who lament, saying, "Oh, I wish I got into Bitcoin earlier and all this and that." But I, I you know, that was never on my my scale. But with the cryptocurrency thing, I think it's cool. I think that's definitely a, there's some appeal there. I feel like now it's kind of like it's like the party been going on you just heard about it, you go over there and it's about to be shutting down because it kind of feels like if you haven't really been 
you know, invested in doing your research, it's going to be a steep uh, road to get into now. So for the people that did do, my advice is always like, yo, sell it. <laughs> get out the game. <laughs> you know, if you are, if people are like, oh, right now, if I had bought this and I, I would be there, I'd be like, yo, just take the money and dip because I... You don't want to hold on to something too long and then wind up realizing you lost a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of that uh, fun foundation money. But, I mean, that's the cool thing with, you know, uh, in the country we live in, we have stuff that comes along that is really big at first. And then if you invest in it, you get paid off. Like, when Apple first came out, if you were able to get one of those first stocks and you had it, you know, held on to the day, you'd be like, you know, sh- you'd be filthy. You'd be, you'd be filthy for real. So, it's kind of cool to, you know... Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the latest trend to, to pay off, and I'm sure in the future there's going to be other little gems that we also can look forward to. Yeah, it is very interesting. Um, you know, there's also many other cryptocurrencies that you can kind of jump on the wave before that gets big. So, you know, as if anything, do your research and also don't invest more than you can uh afford to risk that's kind of the easy tips to follow when going into something that you're not sure will pay out in the future yeah exactly and you know you gotta you gotta take paul's brand of advice because you know paul's got a little treasure trove investments you know he he don't like to play it all but the dude do be walking <laughs> in with the with the little stank suit and and, and, and the, the monocle been rocking that since the liquid <laughs> days so you know he's definitely got something to, uh, uh, advice and sound advice when it comes to that sort of uh, sort of thing but yeah definitely you know just look into it as he said do the research and if it's something that appeals to you take the risk for it and go for it i mean the only way you're going to be come educated about the hustles if you actually do the work you put in exactly exactly so in other news um disney is trying to acquire some of Fox's assets, mainly the uh, 20th Century Fox Studios, kind of where you know Fox makes all its movies. Um, so that's a big deal. And then they're also um, trying to buy some of Fox's regional sports, which include like you know your baseball games, you know your your small market basketball games. Um, so basically, from what I was reading. Um, on the sports side, uh, ES, like ESPN, obviously owned by Disney, um, is planning to kind of customize your sports experience so that you can only get information or TV shows or uh, follow your teams. They'll only give you um, sporting games based on the teams that, that you follow. So you don't have to kind of sit through you know, the ESPN programming that you don't really want to watch just to kind of hear one second about your team. They're kind of going to a more regional approach so that people can kind of customize their their sporting experience. So, you know, I think it would be a good investment, um, especially for those who, you know, keep their cable for live sports. I think that Disney and ESPN are trying to break off the whole cable thing so that they can control their own programming and kind of give customers that want their live sports a vehicle on their own ESPN platform. So definitely want to get your your thoughts about that. Uh, I didn't know about sports. I'm just thought of it. I've just heard about the the ever so famous, you know, what it would mean for the Marvel movies. But on the sports side, what I can attest to is I'm glad they are looking forward looking to doing that because espn on on cable was 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 a, was a scam uh you know a lot of your cable price 
came from having ESPN, and if you're like me, you're maybe watching one or two things on there at most. If you are like the millions that leave it on all day and hear the same news over and over, then, you know, if, if that's your money worth, that's your money worth. But it's, it's glad to see that Disney's trying to take steps to future-proof themselves because, you know, we live in a con- we live in a society nowadays where people want their content and they just want the content that they want. So we're not going to pay, you know, an absurd amount of money for something that has a whole bunch of stuff when we know, okay, I just want football. So I'm, I want to pay for, you know, just this part of access. So to see Disney trying to kind of get on the jump of that is, is, is amazing thing to see. I know, um, with the ever so popular, the Marvel side and getting the studios, you know, the, the thing that gets lost in translation, I, I really thought about was, you know, it's cool to see the X-Men and all that, um, come together, but Fox does a lot of stuff that isn't really movie-wise, that isn't really in the Disney name. Uh, e is one that mentions Deadpool. I don't know how Disney could put their name on a Deadpool free with what that theory entails. Um, it's very not Disney or Marvel-like. So my concern that you know I, I was reading to be brought up with the, this whole acquisition is if they get their properties that are for mature people and, and have their own little dark tale, is Disney willing to really go to that place where it needs to be told proper or where they kind of water it down and, and make it a line of the Disney, the Disney family tree. So, you know, it, it, it's cool to know that Disney's doing all they can to kind of expand and make more money. But, you know, there are some concerns creatively, like, well, if you're going to be getting these franchises, you owe it to the fans to make sure you, you go out, you go all in, not just say, okay, we're going to give you this G rated film or this PG rated film, or, you know, maybe we'll drop the, 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 you know, we'll drop shit here, here or there to try and, you know, edge it up. So it's, it's going to be interesting to, to very see, like, what the future holds for that whole uh, thing. But I, I expect them to get the deal done because I'm sure Fox is waiting to get that payday. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading a little bit about that. I was I was definitely interested in the, you know, like the Deadpool series or what they're going to do with some of the edgier Marvel characters. But, you know, Disney... Is always got to stick to their family-focused brand, so hopefully it doesn't water down too much. But it might have to, you know, they might have to do so to stay on brand. Um, but I mean, you're, you know, you like watching like Star Wars and stuff. Like, how do, how does that, has that series changed much since Disney took over, or uh, have you noticed anything like that? Um. Well, you know, with Star Wars, they never got they never got dark because the basis behind Star Wars is supposed to be like a story you could tell like you're young a young child. I mean, people do die, but it's never like in a graphic like oh my gosh type of way. Like even you know when they have a lightsaber, there's no blood, so when they cut something off, it's just cut mm-hmm. off. It's not That's like true. oh it's gushing everywhere or anything. Um, but I mean, you know, Disney's able to incorporate dark storytelling and themes into their stuff easily but obviously you know people want what's the edginess you know the, the thing about deadpool is like he's cutting off people's heads and blood's flying and, and there's all these you know all the obscenities being yelled disney doesn't go like that in your face so like i said it's gonna be interesting to see whether they're willing to put their name on on top of something like that because the fans of deadpool they love that and they don't want to come to a, a disney branded show and so you you can lose a lot of marketing value. And that was the cool thing about Deadpool is, you know, it was for adults. <laughs> you know, a lot of superhero movies, they cared to anyone go watch it. Deadpool was like, yeah, you can show your kids this, but you wouldn't be a good parent. So, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, yeah, I definitely wasn't getting shown those movies when I was a child, man. 
I was definitely uh, sheltered when it came to movies like that. So, but it, it should be interesting, man. I'm I'm excited to see that transition. Um, another transition that I'm excited for is our guest today. You know, her name is Carla Christine. She's the founder of the Yoga Green Book. Basically, what the Yoga Green Book is is an online service for people who want to practice yoga. And it's one of the first of its kind. And she really markets this towards people of color. And throughout the interview, you'll you'll get to know that she kind of tells her experience about what she did, uh, her background in engineering, how she left engineering, and was able to kind of go through the um, trials and tribulations to start her yoga practice. So super interesting interview. She's very inspiring and uh, you'll definitely get a lot from her experience. Yeah. And she, like I said, provides a whole lot. Very gentleman person, very excited to be on the podcast, which is always great to have guests that are excited, makes us want to go to extra level forum. And I think she really drops a lot of great knowledge. And one thing that really is, you know, underestimated with her is just her ambition and determination you know she quits a job that she was probably making some good money at you know set but she was like i i want to do more i want to be more and now she's on a mission and try and bring more people of color to practicing yoga which is something that's you know as person of color that's not our first you know thought about yoga you know we we know of it we we, we understand it but no one really gravitates to it we, we like to go the traditional route of you know treadmills do some weights so it's interesting to see how she really wants to help promote not only yoga but just black people themselves feel more comfortable with themselves practicing something that isn't necessarily the norm and it's it's a very interesting journey and she tells a lot of good details and how she doesn't give up and how she's really wanted to bring the fight to getting more people to come towards uh, embracing yoga so i think you know i can say for me and McCoy, we learned a, a lot and you know she definitely talks about some things when it comes about yoga or you know religion wise and some other stuff that definitely made me want to open my eyes and like you know i never thought of it that way so all in all great interview great way to come back and, and deliver you guys some heat because i know y'all been y'all been a little bit cold if you especially if you've been in florida got a little chilly so we got some heat for you no sweater you know no bundle and y'all talk about chilly man it's snowing right now bro Listen, we don't need your, you know, oh, you know, I listen, this ain't about that. This for my Florida people, they know it's what Florida want to act, you know, don't want to act right. So we, we want to give you some heat to combat that. For people in Michigan, hey, man, it's been tough luck all year, so we don't really got nothing for you. <laughs> all good, my friend. But, yeah, let's jump into the interview with Miss Carla Christine. All right, and today's guest is Carla Christine. Founder of Yoga Green Book. Carla, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you all doing today? We're doing very well. And we just wanted to jump right into it and talk about, you know, how did you found, how did you uh, get the inspiration to find uh, your uh, passion in yoga and, and start your own yoga studio? Well, for yoga, when I was living in Atlanta and still working as an electrical engineer, I was experiencing some really intense anxiety. And at that time, I felt like I was just drifting into a really dark place. So after the recommendation from a friend, she recommended that I try yoga instead of trying the antidepressants that I was prescribed. So just she just recommended that I try that first before taking any other steps. And thankfully, that really was the journey of my healing. So I started practicing yoga and started getting deeper into my practice, eventually started teaching yoga. And that led me to create a 
directory of people of color that were holding safe spaces for anybody to practice yoga. So just with linking with other teachers of color and from the conversations that we were having and the shared perspectives that we had and the barriers that we saw from for people not feeling like yoga was for them, it was just really the next step that came to my mind for us to develop an online yoga studio. So I kicked that off with a couple of of the teachers that I first met. And from there, the rest is really history. And the online platform has been growing. There's more videos on the site. And just looking forward to what the future has next. And that's amazing. I think when people think of yoga, of course, you know, the health benefits, but as you alluded to, the the tranquility and healing, I kind of want to ask your own personal opinion. Could you kind of tell us how yoga has improved your relationships? And do you feel at this current time that you're like more at peace with everything and everyone around you? I do. I definitely do. And one way that yoga really helped me find that peace is from finding stillness. So before I never realized that I was just constantly on the move. I was either moving, doing something at work, on my phone, and I never took the time to just pause and just be still. So with yoga and some of the techniques from practicing poses and releasing tension in my body and stretching my muscles and then also practicing different breathing techniques that led me to a place that I could actually be still. And then from that stillness, I just started developing more awareness, self-awareness of what was going on inside of me and things that would help not only with my healing, but connecting me more so with what I believe my purpose is now. So yes, I believe that yoga just in general helped me find that peace through finding stillness. Great. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. We're always looking for stimuli on our phones, on the TV. So it's definitely good to get back and to find peace within yourself. Um, and that kind of leads me to my next question. So, you know, you, you saw that there was a need for more black yoga instructors or for people of color to practice yoga. Did you have a moment where you were practicing yoga and you felt uncomfortable in the, you know, generic yoga studios? I have. There have been times that I felt uncomfortable in studio. So when I first started practicing, I started practicing at LA Fitness in Atlanta. And it happened that the studio that I was going to was very diverse or the gym that I was going to LA Fitness in Atlanta was very diverse. But once I started venturing into the yoga studios in Atlanta and then moving into Chicago, The first experience that I had was very welcoming and it really helped deepen my practice. But as I was just jumping from studio to studio, sometimes just based on proximity, I started noticing that it was not always a comfortable thing. And just being the only person of color, I think sometimes that just made me feel intimidated without even knowing exactly why. But just there is there has always been so much comfort in my life and in my career, my past career, seeing my image reflected. And I think that just sometimes being in a space and not seeing your image reflected can lead to like a little bit of intimidation. But then outside of that, just sometimes 
there was a reason to not feel comfortable that just sometimes I would get looks or stares or even just assumptions with my practice and different things. So I think just because of that and being the only one or sometimes feeling like there are extra glances, just more, um, more teachers being exposed to more teachers and other practitioners of color can just break those barriers because you just know that others just like you exist, that there are teachers in the space and other practitioners in the space. And it just, you know, that there's that community that's there, even if it's not always present where you are in the moment. In lieu of uh, the gem machine, we have a slow clap for uh, our guest today. <laughs> Just to let you guys know that you should appreciate the gem that she did drop. And it's crazy because you say that and, you know, you, you, you've you gone ahead and you've taken the lead and you started Yoga Green Book to try and encourage more people of color to not only do yoga, but feel like they're in a community where they can see others um, practicing it and feel more comfortable. Now, of course, that's the first step that you've taken what else, in your opinion, can be done to, to can be done to actually see more people of color in not just yoga but in other communities as well? I think continue continuing to have image representation. I think positive image representation is just such a powerful thing, and whether it's in engineering, whether it is the president, I think just image, positive image representation and seeing somebody that looks like you can be the first step in breaking down barriers a lot of times. And whether it's the first person that did something or whether it's just continuing to see more people on your path, I think it's just that motivation of seeing someone doing what you may want to do or have even just like started on your path doing and just saying, gosh, if they're doing it, I can do it too. And I've experienced that when I was in electrical engineering, I've experienced that when I was just growing up and just seeing other kids doing something small, whether it was just climbing a fence, just seeing somebody that looks like you, you're like, wow, they did that. And it's just that extra motivation that you can do it too. And Maybe that's not always needed, but I think it's just such a powerful thing. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Representation is definitely the key in, you know, spreading diversity across the world. Um, and I kind of wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that. And, you know, when you think about yoga, um, you kind of don't see it too often in the black community. I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on why do you think it's not commonly practiced in the black community? Yeah, so for the Black community, I think there are a couple of reasons. So I think, one, sometimes it are the pictures that you see on Instagram and just maybe feeling like it's hard to identify with that. But also, besides that, there is sometimes there's perception that there's a conflict with religion. So that's a common thing that I hear from being in the space is that um, with some of the chanting and just with the connection of yoga, um, at least the version that came from India, the connection with Hinduism. So that's been another thing that's prevented some from practicing yoga. But ultimately, I feel that with yoga and the connection with Africa, with Egypt, and also even just with India, with black and brown people practicing, that it's definitely for us and that 
even with the text, some of the ones that are connected with Hinduism, that there's nothing that conflicts with any religion. So that's one thing that I think and believe and have researched and other teachers in the space believe and have researched as well. And just eliminating that perception, I think, can go a long way because I can understand, I can understand that that thought and the feeling of the conflict there. But ultimately, I feel like there isn't one. And for anyone that has felt like that, there are people that are in the space that do have Christian-based yoga. So there's Sherelle Tucker-Moore that's on our site that has a faith and flow practice that she shares with the community. So I think that those are the two reasons is sometimes lack of image representation, but also the perception that it conflicts with religion. And I never really thought about it that way, too. Yeah, I, me too. I was always just assumed that, you know, yoga was something that isn't just encouraged because, you know, you don't see a lot of people do it. But the religion take, though, that's interesting. That's definitely something to 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 think about. Um, I kind of want to take it to a different gear. I want to want to show you your um raw entrepreneur side a little bit. So you once had an electrical engineering job that you just quit in order to basically find your true purpose. Could you let the people, could you let us know, like, what was the point where you knew you had to quit your engineering job? And then how did the people around you react to you actually doing it? Okay. So with the electrical, electrical engineering job, I was working for the federal government. So during my career, and this is over an 11 year period, I was mostly working with military products or military aircraft and electrical engineering that was associated with that. I started off in one position that was more contract writing and then moved to contract oversight and then another job. And the thing is during my career, I never really completely connected with what I was doing or felt passionate about it, but I kept experimenting and taking different positions to from the contract writing all the way into program management, which was the last position that I held. So through that, I always felt like I was searching for something that would connect with my passion and at job after job, position after position, I never quite found that thing. So as I was practicing yoga and just really feeling passionate about it and passionate about sharing the transformational powers that I experienced, that really led me to question what I was doing with my current job that I thought was going to be my lifelong career. So I think just because of the gap of wanting to just like race out of work every day and go to yoga or teach yoga classes, I just started to realize that what I was doing, I didn't feel like I was any longer on. And it was a really hard decision, a long decision. I thought about it for over a year and even just started stacking money like crazy and being really frugal in other areas of my life, just because I wasn't sure what the future held or if I would be able to continue working as a electrical engineer engineer for much longer. So when the decision was finally made in my mind, I literally felt nauseous just thinking about quitting because I was getting so deep on my path of just having done this for 11 plus years and was super comfortable and in a federal government job, all of that stuff, just like all the cushion benefits. 
But ultimately, I just thought that I needed to take the time and the space to figure out what to do and that I wasn't on the right path. So quitting was one of the hardest things I had to do. But ultimately, I feel like it's the best decision. And it's not an easy path to be on the entrepreneur grind. But I think that it's worth it to wake up every day to be passionate about what I'm doing and not have to just do things that aren't aligned with my passion or sometimes even just aligned with my beliefs. Hmm. Okay. But you know, as I'm glad that you were able to take that step because like you said, it made you feel like you wanted to, to, to vomit when you, when you quit, but I'm sure as you were building, creating the yoga green studio or the yoga green book, um, you were able to kind of build bridges and, and find different areas to connect with different people. So I kind of wanted to hear, you know, what was the process like from from the beginning when you didn't have anybody subscribing to you to where you are now? Yeah, so first it started off with connecting with other teachers of color as I was building the directory. So that was the first step is just connecting with others in the space that we're teaching But then from that, there were, and just kicking off some of the social media pages, there were people that just started to follow the social media pages. And I started reaching out and just wanting to talk with as many yogis as possible, just to hear their experiences, what they were looking for, and really just how their journey was all together. So it was a slow building of the network from teachers to other practitioners but I think just just putting it out there and just sharing teachings in writing and then also in video form, there were more people that started to find out about us. And even just from random interviews that ended up on the YouTube channel that weren't even about yoga, but they were about um, different things like living in Medellin, Medellin, Colombia or something like that. There were more people that just started to find out about yoga and then also Yoga Green Book. And um, the connections have led to other connections. And the free challenges that we've done, free yoga challenges for 21-day beginner yoga challenge and also the core strength challenge have really helped just bring in people that never thought about doing yoga but were down to take on a challenge. And that's incredible. Like, that's something you never think about. But it's great that you're able to come and you take on that challenge and actually lead that pathway. I wanted to ask, you know, on your website, you described that something you do now is you you travel with your hubby. (laughs) So obviously that must lead to you some pretty interesting locales. Um, Could you tell us what has been your most all-inspiring location you actually done yoga in? And could you tell us why? Sure. Um, All-inspiring. I would say practicing in Las Palmas, Grand Canary Islands. And I would say there, and not because of the beach, but because of the fact that it was the first time that I practiced yoga in a different language. So that was a different thing because practicing in the United States I never really thought about how easy it is just to hear the cues and the instructions without really having me think about it. And just if, you know, the instructor says, lift your leg or something like that, I'm just immediately doing what is stated. 
But it was a different thing to hear a different accent and a different language. So it was just very inspiring to know that there's so much yoga that's happening around the world and that there's just so much potential for healing and peace in general, just from practicing yoga and then taking the time to just transform ourselves to our better selves as much as possible and being here in Medellin, Colombia and just seeing the potential to collect, connect with Afro-Colombians here has been an inspiring thing too. And just wanting to connect and practice with people that are here so that we can just unite through yoga all across the world. I think it's just a powerful thing just to realize like being here on travel. And that's what yoga has really allowed me to see is just like practicing different places, but there's so much unity that can happen just through the practice. And I think it can happen through other things as well, but I've really seen that through yoga. And, and yeah, I definitely wanted to get more uh, insight into what um, about yoga causes, you know, people to heal and, and live a little bit more stress-free. I think it's, I think it's turning inward. I think ultimately just turning inward and having the self-awareness to just really explore yourself. Because once you start to explore yourself, I think it just becomes a different perspective of the world. And I'm still on my journey and just looking forward to what comes comes next. But I think that just with so many different things that affect the community, but especially, especially the black community from different physical elements to mental illnesses, to racism, to trauma that's been experienced. I feel like all of those things, there's a little part of yoga that starts to tap into all of that. And just from a broad sense, just yoga being a way to have a release and an outlet. So even just from microaggressions that they're experienced during the day, from being able to just breathe deeply, and that can be the focus of the moment is just breathing deeply. I think that can go a long way. And I never even noticed until I started practicing yoga, how many times during the day that I may have just like moved out the way or held my breath or just clenched my body just from reacting to something. And there's so many times just through the minutes, through the hours of the day that I just react without just being like proactive to just breathe deeply. And I think that can just aid in healing in a physical way, just from your body not being in like a fight or flight response all the time. But then I think just yoga has helped me evaluate other things with the awareness of just like what I'm eating and putting into my body and all of that, just from studying it a little bit more. The gems, man. <laughs> you know, I, I got to keep coming with the slow clap. One episode only, though. We're going to try and <laughs> get a better sound for you. But <laughs> you are dropping amazing stuff. Um, I want to go and uh, talk more about Yoga Green Book, your amazing site where people can join and actually get all the benefits uh, that come with online yoga sessions now. Membership is only $19.99 a month. Could you kind of tell our listeners what value they're going to receive for that membership price and also in return, what benefits that members have access to? Yeah, so with the $19 a month, 
I'm really starting off with a free trial. You can explore all of our classes and they range for, they range in level, they range in the focus of the class and the style of the teacher. So just depending on whatever you need that day, whether it's whether you need to breathe deeply, whether you need specifically yoga for self-care or to strengthen your body, you can get it all from the one site. In addition to that, you have access to booking one-on-one sessions and just receiving exclusive tips and resources through your email. So just a way to stay engaged and to gain additional knowledge about yoga and to get some quick videos for different things that can benefit you that maybe you can just add into your day that you weren't even thinking about. So yeah, so it starts off with a free 30-day trial, but then $19 a month. And it's really great because with the $19 a month, we already donate on behalf of members to individuals and organizations that are all about promoting wellness through yoga and meditation in the local community. That's great. That's a that's a great cause to be behind. And um, I'm glad that yoga has been able to open up doors for you and others as well. Um, I wanted to know about, you know, your online service as opposed to a physical studio. What made you want to go the online route? Yes. Yeah, so that that was a challenging decision at first because there is a lot to be gained in a physical space just being around other people. But ultimately, I feel that wellness should be location independent. So even when I was living in Atlanta and even living in Chicago, there are yoga studios centralized in certain areas. But if you're outside of those areas, you can be in a yoga desert. So that was just one thing that somewhat bothered me because I really want yoga to be accessible to anybody. And I think that just right now, starting off with making yoga accessible to anyone that has access to Wi-Fi can help spread it to the masses. So being able to access it from your phone or a computer, regardless of where you are, can just help anybody that has connection, be able to experience the benefits of yoga without actually having to go to a physical space. So it's not dependent on if the weather is good or there's a close studio or anything else. You can just get it from the comfort of your own home and your own safe space and then accessing all of the teachings and what you specifically need for that day. I, I had to break it up. I didn't know. <laughs> but no, that was an amazing answer. And I, I really do like how you put your stamp on it. And I think, you know, I urge our listeners to check out Yoga Green Book. You are doing amazing things there. And I think the idea is so phenomenal. And it's, it's such one of those ideas that when you think of it, you kind of ask, like, how come it hasn't been done yet? And you're the person that's doing it. So I, I, I applaud you. I commend you. It's a great, 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 great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it really is a community effort. I mean, without the teachers, we would not even be able to be where we are today. So I'm just thankful for the teachers I've met along the way and the ones that I continue to meet because we're all in this together. We really do believe in helping the black community take our health, our united health to the next level. And that right there is a powerful statement, powerful indeed. But sadly, Ms. Carla, we have gone to the famous 
end of the interview, I have to ask you the final two questions, the famous Educate Us a Two piece. The first one is always easy. Can you tell our listeners how they can connect with you? Sure. So they can connect with me through yogagreenbook.com. And even just if they want to connect with me directly, all of the contact information is on there and they can reach me directly just from going to the site and clicking on the contact section. And we are also on Facebook and Instagram at the handle at Yoga Green Book. So I'm hoping and looking forward to connecting with as many people as possible that way. Great. And basically, the best thing about that is there's options. And that's always good. It's always good to have options. And now the last question. No pressure. Just the last thing that our audience is going to hear from you today. Could you leave us with some parting words of wisdom? Ooh, parting words of wisdom. Ah, I would say um, one thing that really stands out to me is just do what feels right for you in all aspects of your life. I think that sometimes it's easy and I'm guilty of being caught up in societal expectations in the past. And I feel like sometimes that's the easiest way to be unhappy. So just do what works for you in all aspects of your life. And I think that that will lead to your health and happiness. Boom, 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 boom. This is huge where we have like a really hype sound go off and, we don't have that. Bear with us. But nonetheless, an amazing interview. We really do appreciate you coming on today. I think you've really made us think about yoga in a way that I'm sure me and Paul never even thought about. I'm sure our audience can, can relate. And you've given us a lot to digest on. And hopefully through this episode, I know I, I already got my mat pre, pre-ordered on Amazon. Hopefully that gets a lot of us to strive <laughs> to start and go out and embrace yoga. It truly is a great exercise and a great way to bring tranquility to your life. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your time today. And I'm looking forward to staying connected with you all and checking out some more of the past episodes and looking forward to your future episodes as well. And there you have it, folks. That was Carla Christine talking about her project, The Yoga Green Book. Emilio, what you think, man? Such a great, great, great way to come back off the little little vacate little hiatus carla brings the energy and she definitely has a great idea the yoga green book is a phenomenal way to try and incorporate not only more people into doing yoga but also trying to get more people of color into doing yoga and it's just amazed me like it's such a simple idea like you know let's make a community let's have all these teachers come together that look just like me and help try and bring more people along so they have a safe space to do yoga and you know carla thought of it and, and ran with it and it's amazing to me just to see like from where she started to where she is now, how she's been so successful. And she's just a great person. It was truly a joy to have on the show today. I agree, man. She definitely hit on some key points that, you know, a lot of people probably could use. I mean, she was going through a tough time, not knowing where she wanted to be with her career. Um, took something that, you know, doing yoga as a passion. And it really helped improve her health and wellness. And, uh, you know, eventually became her passion. So, that's really that's really good that she was able to you know take something like yoga, uh, heal herself, make herself more mentally strong, and then uh, leave her job that she was at for eleven years plus to to do that on her own. So, you know, if that doesn't get you inspired, I don't know what will. Ooh, Paul out here telling them what you gotta <laughs> feel like. Oh. I'm dead. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm just gonna keep. I'm gonna take the high road and just say what you guys should do, and that's 
talk to us. Yes, you. You should talk to us. And this is how you can do it. Educators can reach you a variety of different means on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Educators of Podcast. Once again, that is Educators of Podcast. We are also on Snapchat at Educator Hustle. That's just one word, Educator Hustle. And then you can also like our page on Facebook at Educator Hustle. All you have to do is go to Facebook, type in Educator Hustle, two words, and you'll see our logo that you guys all know and love. Click that hit the like. We will appreciate it. And of course, before I get into some more plugging, I have to go into my rate and review breakdown. If you haven't already, please rate and review us. It's so easy to do. All you got to do is go to your iPhone. On your iPhone, go to the iTunes app or Apple Podcasts. Select that button. Type in get us with two words. You'll see our show logo pop up. Click that. Scroll down a little bit. It'll say write a review. Once you hit that button, make sure that you give us five yes five stars then write a review title and then finally review summary it could be something short and sweet as it's lit or something long and doubtful as it's still lit now to go back into my original plugging please follow us on twitter if you have not done so already at educator underscore hustle once again that is at educator underscore hustle there we do tweets daily interactions and of course try and find ways to incorporate and talk to you guys and that's probably the best way of reaching us because it goes right to me and Paul's phone. And then last but not least, you can email us at educatorsofpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is educatorsofpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, sir. You know you got to lead us out, man. Lead us out. People, the year is about to be over with. Whatever you want to do and you want to achieve, set out and do it. Go and make it a reality. I mean, you got to end the year strong. You have to end the year strong. And it's crazy what opportunities present themselves at the time that you really never thought they could. So I just urge everyone to end the year strong, finish strong, and remember to keep pushing, keep hustling, and keep on going. Yes, sir. And as always, you got to stay educated. Keep hustling.